Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. I had a question uh, given to me, what, a week ago or so from a listener. He said, hey, uh, is Francis Chan woke? And I didn't know how to answer that question. I don't know. I haven't done a deep dive on Francis Chan or anything. I, I actually don't really follow Francis Chan that closely, but I do realize Francis Chan has a tremendous amount of influence in Christianity and in evangelicalism. And um, I'll tell you my what I know about Francis Chan. I started to read his book, Crazy Love, now more than maybe 10 years ago. And I guess halfway through like the first chapter, I just I, it was too simple for me. Uh, I just couldn't do it. Um, and it because it's written on like a fourth or fifth grade level. And I just there was other things I would have rather read. But I didn't remember seeing anything bad in it. Uh, and maybe it was a good book. Maybe it really helped some people. He had a book on marriage, I think, called You and Me Together or Forever. And um, I really liked that one. It's very simple, but I thought it was a book that you could give out to people who uh, wanted to get married uh, or were getting married, and um, and and it would help them. So I, I, did or- I got a bunch of those. This was, again, probably six years ago, and I would give them to people, friends at weddings and stuff, uh, who were getting married just as part of our gift. And I remember it being very good. I don't remember there being problems with it. But since then, there's just been little things here or there. Uh, sometimes they're not so little that um, people have sent to me that just make me concerned. Ecumenical things, especially coming from Francis Chan that I just don't quite understand. I did go to the same seminary that he graduated from, Master Seminary, for one semester. And we had a D-Lab. It was called Discipleship Lab. And they had two professors that would kind of, one would be there one week, one would be there another week. And I, I don't know why the class was set up this way or called D-Lab. I'm, I'm really not sure. But mostly what we talked about were like people, and it wasn't even me. I didn't talk about it. But mostly what the professors would talk about was kind of like their issues with people like Mark Driscoll or Francis Chan or, you know, it, it was it was just a lot of like, here's here's who's doing something that we don't we don't agree with. It's wrong in evangelicalism. And Francis Chan, there was a whole class once on Francis Chan and just the whole story of his experience at Master Seminary and where he went from there and why he was wrong. And the and, and I, it was just I didn't know what to do with that stuff at the time. It was just it was kind of but but looking back now that I think about some of the things that were said in that class, I think, you know, there's probably a lot of truth to what was said there. There are people that probably knew him because he went to that seminary. And maybe they saw something that I just did not see back then. Uh, it's very possible uh, that they did. And, um, and, and so um, I, I will say this. I'm concerned about Francis Chan. And I'm not an expert. I haven't seen everything. But when I see him doing joint things with Roman Catholics uh, in the way, and doing so in a way that makes it seem like they're theologically uh, on the same page, or at least enough on the same page that they can have they can worship together. They can pray together. These kinds of things that they're, um, it's, it's not like a, a pro-life rally where you have a common objective and you're there for that common objective. Uh, it, it's more like he's speaking at conferences that their specific goal is, is worship or whatever the, the theme is, uh, spiritually speaking. And, and it's just at the very least it's confusing at the worst. It's very ecumenical and not good. So, I have to say that kind of upfront. Whether he's woke or not, there's some other issues that maybe people would want to look into with Francis Chan and just see if this is the guy you want to follow. And again, that doesn't mean everything he said is wrong, though. doesn't mean all his books are wrong. doesn't mean that everything from his early years are all bad and that all oh, the spiritual growth that happened when you were reading some of his stuff or gleaning from his, it doesn't mean that that's all illegitimate or anything. Um, there, there are people like Horatio Spafford who wrote some, you know, some of the greatest hymns who started off, you know, theologically seeming 
you know, pretty, pretty good, it seemed like, and then got into false teaching land more at the end of their life. Uh, even from the early church, there's people uh, like Tertullian who, you know, might fit that bill to some extent. And so I, I am not the kind of person who just dismisses um, every piece of someone's work because of something that, some, some error that occurred later. But I do have the caution. I do want to bring up, hey, watch out for that stuff. Uh, don't think that because, and in, in, in fact, you know, why, why read that book? You know, we, we have other resources from people who are solid, who still are solid, who've uh, always been solid, and we could just give you those books, right? And so that, that's kind of my thought on that. I don't give out Francis Chan books anymore, even though I think his book on marriage is pretty good. I don't give them out at weddings or anything like that anymore. So um, there you go. I know some people might not agree with me. Some people might agree with me, and that is totally fine. It's not really the subject of this because I'm going to show you this video. The question is, is he woke? I just wanted to say up front that I think there's other questions that might be more important for some of you to answer first uh, if you're trying to determine whether or not his ministry is a good one or not. But we will get into the subject at hand. We will talk about whether or not he's woke. Before we do, I want to mention this. No one's paying me to mention it, and I don't even know to what extent this is a good organization, but I figured I'd throw it out there. Someone emailed me and said, hey, John, if you have an organization that you know of that needs diversity training, why don't you send them to Unity Training Solutions? Why is that? Well, because Unity Training Solutions, apparently, they don't buy into critical race theory, but they also provide the kind of training that sometimes if you're an employer or you're in an organization, you, you have to, you're by, you know, the, I don't know if it's by law, but by the requirements of your organization, they want you to do diversity training of some kind. So here's an organization that apparently does that kind of, and I don't know how they do it, but they're not using critical race theory to do it. They're doing it differently. Now, I can't say anything more than that because I don't know anything about the organization, but I figured I'd throw it out there at least because I realize there are people in those positions and maybe this will be something helpful to you. So unitytrainingsolutions.com. Uh, let's watch the video here. This is Francis Chan. A world where you say one word wrong and yeah. boom, everyone's just ready to fight. And yeah. so I think we're all sitting here going, well, if I say it like this, or I say it like this, or I say it like this, you know, and it's just, uh, because there's just so much pent up anger and I, I agree. Uh, it's it, the, the problem is there's not this type of John 13 unity. We may go, okay, we're going to, you know, this white church is going to, you know, combine with this black church on Sunday, you know, once a year and, and we're going to shake hands and, you know, one is going to lead worship and the other one, their preacher is going to preach. And, it's just, it's still very token compared to the depth of, you know, Jesus says that John 13 of, man, I want you to love each other. Like I've loved you. And it's in the, in the, in the context of communion, the context of he's about to go to the cross and mm -hmm. die for them. And now he's mm -hmm. saying, I want you to have that kind of love for one another. Um, man, and we're just so far from that. It's hard to know even where to start. And some of it I was ignorant of. Like I could see it in my own church growing up in a Chinese church. Extremely prejudiced. I mean, so much of it going on. Like uh, we're just an all Chinese church. And, and we would never say it publicly, but it's privately the things that went around and things I've addressed and said and, but it's, it's pretty deep-rooted. And then being in Simi Valley, which is primarily a Caucasian church, and, 
and trying to fight some of that stuff there. Um, but then going into uh, the inner city, you know, in, in San Francisco and the Bayview and, and trying to bring unity. Now, suddenly, I'm trying to get, you know, my African-American brothers and sisters, you know, joining us. And they're just like, uh, you know, which I feel like this is the most racially diverse church I've been a part of. And I'm so grateful yeah. for it. Um, but even so, you know, I didn't realize how strong it was on the other side of man. No, you know, who do you think as an Asian man coming up here and you and your, you know, and you got these white friends, you got cops in your church, you know, I'm not going to be a part of that. And it's like, wow, it's just so, there's so much of this in the church itself, so far from what Christ died for that becoming one man that I think sometimes it's hard not to feel paralyzed. Um, like it's too big. Um, mm. the church is so, I, I mean, one of the things that's so endearing is when you watch the news and you see the protests and how many of those protesters are not African-American, right? Mm. Like it, it looks yeah. like a lot of places, the majority is not. And, in a lot of ways, it's a better picture than the church um, of coming alongside each other. And um, I don't know; those are the only thoughts that come to my mind. But again, it's like it's it's a bummer because I think, as a whole, as people, we're just on edge somehow and ready to fight. And that's why it's hard to speak because you go doesn't matter where my heart is people are going to try to find something to divide over. And you see that in the church more than ever. Um, I mean, I face it all the time. Just anything I say is some segment of the church is going to blast me and hate me for it. Or even not even say anything, just might be on this call with you guys somehow. For some reason, something's wrong here. And someone's yeah. going to think about it. Yeah, and I just want to... All right, so <laughs> he says at the end, yeah, for some reason something's wrong here because he keeps getting blasted. Well, that, that's hap that happens a lot of times when you're kind of being unclear or you're fence-sitting or you're just not... Um, I mean, one of the things about Francis Chan is he is so sincere the way he comes across. I think that's his main... It's the main reason he's appealing. I think there's other people like that too. I think Paul Washer is a little bit like that. It might be surprised I'm putting them both in the same category, but they're both... Um, that that's one thing that they have going for them. People are tired of fake. Francis Chan comes across as sincere. Paul Washer comes across as sincere. They're not trying. They don't seem like they're trying to hide anything. They seem like they're really they really care. They really have um, uh, passion. And and that's one of the things I think that attracted me a little bit. I, I like was never a big follower of Francis Chan, but I'm thinking like 12 years ago when I. Uh, thought, oh, maybe I'll try reading Crazy Love. I think that was one of the things that I might have seen some clips of his, and I thought, this guy seems like he really loves the Lord, like he's sincere about things. And and he could be, and I don't want to take away from that. He could be a very sincere guy, but it's clear from this clip, and maybe this was from June. This is when certain cities in the United States were burning, actually, from June of 2020. Maybe he's changed some things since then. This is the only thing that I've seen of him talking about this subject. Um he's clearly not thought through this. Uh, a few things he says in this uh, are that are concerning are that um, one, that somehow the world is demonstrating unity better than the church. And 
the, you hear this an awful lot. You know, how, how is it, though, that the world is demonstrating unity better than the church? In what sense? Because there's churches that, uh, like he said, he was in a Chinese one, and there's white church, primarily white churches. And pri I mean, is that the reason? Because we're all still unified in a universal way, in the universal church of Christ. Um, is it, it's the Holy Spirit that unifies us. Uh, it's not the particular place we go to church, necessarily. So I'm not saying that there can't be a problem in a community where one church doesn't like another church and there's not unity there, but in the you know, Holy Spirit uh, is grieved or something. I'm not saying that can't happen. I'm just saying the, what he's talked about so far is just that there's these different churches. There's Chinese churches. He was in a Simi Valley in a primarily, quote-unquote, white church. Um, he's kind of vague about what he means by prejudice, just that there was prejudice. So we'll take him at his word, just say that there was. Uh, but that the world somehow is that they're more diverse. But what's the evidence for the diversity? What's the evidence or the unity rather? What's the evidence for the unity in the world? White people or other um, ethnicities marching in BLM protests. That's the evidence. So <laughs> have you thought about the BLM organization? Have you thought about what the movement itself stands for? Have you thought about, you know, maybe <laughs> these, these uh, shootings or these, these deaths attributed to racism, maybe aren't actually attributed to racism. Maybe this isn't actual due process uh, to charge, to say that these are hate crimes. Maybe it's actually um, not as uh, the media is telling us it is. But he kind of assumes all that, that this is, this is part of racism. And he's encouraged to see all kinds of people marching, all different ethnicities marching for BLM. And that, that somehow the church, I guess, can follow that example. The church needs to be like that, which would mean that the church needs to get on the BLM train somehow. The church needs to accept that narrative about what these police killings, et cetera, represent. They do represent actual racism, uh, systemic racism, et cetera. And there needs to be some kind of change. Uh, I'm sure Francis Chan, I'm pretty sure at least he wouldn't agree with the organization and some of the things that they stand for. I would hope not at least. But you leave yourself open and uh, to people that, will go that far because you're not being clear. You're not giving them any, uh, any brake pedal. You're not giving them any, not, you know, or stop. Really, you should put the car into stop <laughs> uh, because, or, you know, this is not where you want to go. You don't want to go down that street. You want to park over here because uh, this will lead you in a bad direction. I don't see unity. I, and I don't think any Christian who's being honest about this can see unity, the kind of unity that uh, you know, the Gospel of John talks about uh, certainly in a BLM protest. I mean, what they're unified around is um, a false narrative that they're pushing in order to enact revolutionary change to the fabric of American society. That's what they're unified in. That is not what Christians are called to. Uh, so is Francis Chan woke for saying that? Well, he's going along with it. I'd say on some level, yeah, but it doesn't sound like he's thought through it quite deeply enough. It sounds to me like he's kind of feeling his way through this, and that's a dangerous thing to do. Now, if, uh, if something comes out now that he says, you know what, I understand now what those working issues are. I understand what critical race theory is, and I'm against it for these reasons. You know, you can, we can evaluate that when it happens. I haven't seen any evidence that that's happened. It, it looks to me like on some level, I would say, yes, Francis Chan is, is woke on some level. He's not maybe as self-aware as other people. He hasn't thought through it maybe as much, but he's a leader, and he is leading people when he says things like that. So that's my short answer to the question. I would be careful about Francis Chan's uh, level of discernment in these things. Uh, again, not judging his sincerity, uh, but we don't, you don't want to follow someone just because they're sincere. You want to um, 
someone should be an example or a role model, you want to read their books because um, sincerity can play into it, but it's got to be a lot more than that. It needs to be because they're actually, they're defenders of the truth. And uh, they have really good um, insights through uh, just, they can apply reason well. Uh, the Holy Spirit is, is within them, helping them understand, and they're, uh, they're relaying that understanding to you. Um, they're faithful. They match the qualifications uh, in Scripture for what an elder is. And, and one of the things, um, and I'm talking specifically about church-related uh, you know, authors, etc. One of the things about um, someone who is, uh, wants to be an elder in a church, and this is, of course, in a local assembly. I realize we have this sort of parachurch Big Eva thing. And I realize to some extent I'm part of that in a way. I'm not Big Eva, but I'm part of, uh, this is not, I tell people, this isn't a ministry. This is my podcast. This is me expressing thoughts to you guys to help you guys. And, and sometimes it takes a, sort of a ministry role. This isn't the local church. So I realize that there's a place for that. One of the things though, and I think it's important in scripture though about elders is that they are to be able to refute those who contradict. Francis Chan is clearly not that kind of a person who's able to do that. And that is a, that's a glaring issue. Um, I, would, I would extend this out to people in parachurch ministries who are taking leadership roles. I think it's a good idea, even if you're not a quote-unquote elder at your local church, you need to be, we need to be trying to match those things. You want to have those character qualities. Francis Chan is lacking severely in one of those avenues, one of those areas. So uh, that's my thought on it. Some of you may not like me for saying that. Again, nothing personal against Francis Chan. Actually, I really, the problem is I really actually like the guy. It's, uh, it's hard for me to do this because on a personal level, his personality, I, I love it. I really do. It's a breath of fresh air to listen to him sometimes, uh, his attitude and the way he comes across. But again, truth is important, guys. It's important. Discernment is very important. And for someone who's done the ecumenical things he's done, and uh, at the very least, being very unclear about what he thinks about the social justice movement, not, not even unclear, he's, he's endorsing it, actually, that, that raises some red flags. So I hope um, this is taken in the spirit of love and um, concern that I have, and it's not, I'm not, I don't have an axe to grind, and I'm not trying to, to uh, hurt Francis Chan in any kind of unfair way. I don't have anything to gain from doing that. Uh, but I, I want to warn you all a little bit uh, about following his advice on the social justice stuff and maybe even beyond that. So God bless. Hope that was helpful. Bye now. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.